Delight in art, do you? I do. Do you care for music too? I do. Tell me, are you fond of sport? What sort? Outdoor, abroad, indoor, much more. Some night would you like to meet? Why not? Someone who could make it sweet and hot. Do you feel that to someone you could be true? I do, me too, but only to you. I adore good food, do you? I do. Chicken makes the best ragu, a stew. Which part gives you most delight to bite the neck, no touch, the breast too much? I am very shy, you know, and pure. You may find me rather slow, but sure. Do you think as a sweetheart you could be true? I do. Me too, but only to you. Welcome to the Old Cadre Show for this week. 
We started out with the Helen Kane, and I'd go barefoot all winter long if you'd fall for me in spring. And then Cole Porter, with a demonstration disc of his song, I Do. Well, uh, Courtney G. Edison, your cadre here on WFMU, you know, uh, two weeks ago, Gus Bodenheim hosted the old cadre program. He's old, and he's a cadre, but he's not the old cadre. That's me. Except no substitutes. And if anyone claims to be a substitute, shoot them. A number of previous court challenges have determined, beyond a reasonable doubt, that under such circumstances, pulling the trigger with fatal consequences constitutes justifiable homicide. I repeat, no jury will convict you. No jury in East Orange, anyway. Well, back to this miscreant. I have shoes older than Gus. I could give him a pair, but he'll never fear them. On last week's program, upon returning from my, my tryst with the three singing Giersdorf sisters, <laughs> well, anyway, when I got back, I gave my opinions about Gus. They were strong opinions. They were not flattering, but they were accurate. While I was in the middle of my monologue last week, someone called Gus, and he tuned in the program, and he heard my remarks. And he got offended. He felt he had been slandered. So he called his lawyer, Wolfie Cohn. Wolfie also owns a tavern. It's called, it's called the Rascal House. Wolfie Cohn's Rascal House. People come in, they get hammered. Then they go out, and they cause trouble, and they get arrested. Then they need a lawyer. <laughs> so they go back to the Rascal House, and they hire Wolfie. While he's collecting his retainer, he gives his new clients a couple on the house. They go out and get into more trouble, and Wolfie jacks up the retainer. What a racket! And here Wolfie represents the despicable Gus Bodenheim, a man whose every act is indefensible. Anyway, after hearing my rant, Gus demanded a public apology. He threatened to sue me, so Wolfie, Wolfie sends a very strongly worded letter. And now I replied uh, through my attorney, Hector Nembutal, that I was only offering what I call constructive criticism. Well, Wolfie shot back that the only way they would drop the case is if I allowed Gus free airtime, free, unpaid airtime, to defend his so-called honor. And then we, ha we have to give Gus more free airtime for a commercial announcement about his stupid new book club. They also said that from now on, any time I say anything bad about Gus on the radio, I have to uh, insert the word allegedly in the sentence before the charge. So here is Gus Bodenheim's lame, uh, allegedly lame, rebuttal. Dear listeners, you ask my reaction to the old codger's on-air remarks of February 11th regarding my expert virtuoso performance as substitute disc jockey on the previous week's broadcast. How is one to respond? My selfless efforts rewarded with rank calumny. My sparkling talents greeted with base contumely. Why, one can only recoil at this breathtaking betrayal, this shocking, horrifying display of the Kaja's wanton mendacity. But more, much more than this, one desires, nay deserves, nay demands, redress. To illustrate my point, listen to the following montage. Peak, developing into true umbrage. This is how I feel inside. I demand apologies, of course, on air, profuse, fulsome. But that's not all. In the spirit of fairness, I demand a restoration of my reputation, what in legal circles is termed a restrap, and unless the old codger's program agrees to aggressively promote my new publishing endeavor, a five-star legal team in my employ will exact a vengeance that you never even... Well, you... Well, you just... You just wait and see. I remain Gus Bodenheim. Some people should be stamped with expiration dates. That was Gus Bodenheim's side of the story. I, I did not want to play that on the radio, but I had to because of uh, litigation 
that was uh, threatened for alleged, alleged character assassination. The threat coming from Gus's crackpot attorney, Wolfie Cohn. That's all part of the settlement of me allowing Gus to reply to what I said about him last week. And me, not later in the program, having to air a commercial, an unpaid commercial, for Gus's new book club. I'm also, apparently, part of the settlement, is I'm obligated to plug Wolfie Cohn's rascal house. Well, it's just off Route 46 in Clifton, New Jersey. It's a dive. The special of the day is food poisoning. Patronize at your own risk. You know, for a long time, Gus has been uh, allegedly been, been suffering from what they call congestion of the brain. It's allegedly his go-to excuse for his alleged bad behavior. Gus's brain is pudding. Allegedly. He's never come to grips with adulthood. I remember when Gus was in his 20s and his early 30s, it took him nine years to grow a mustache. An alleged mustache. It was questionable about whether it was real or an implant. Well, we will air Gus's stupid, allegedly stupid, commercial for his new book club later in the program. But now let's get back to some really fine music. That's what this program is about, allegedly. Some chaps like a game of tennis Some like boating on the sea Some are fond of cricket or a ball They want to kick it But there's only one sport that appeals to me I love to hike That's what I like Hey, but it's a grand and healthy life I tramp a mile Then sit a while and bumblebee there in the grass comes and stings me on my elbow down comes the rain and i get wet through i can't blow my nose because it's already blue i catch a chill and feel so ill hey but it's a grand and healthy life I said, you are a clumsy bounder, she shouted, help, I thought I'd begin pulling around, but she kept pulling me in, the ditch was high, we drank it dry, hey, <laughs> but it's a grand and healthy life, I love to hike, that's what I like, hey, but it's a grand and healthy life, my girl and me sat neath a tree. A great big blackbird with its claws came and tore off my girl's jumper when she got home. She heard mother shout, you haven't come home the same as when you went out. She hung her head and blushing said, <laughs> but it's a grand and healthy life.
mean a couple of lovers that live next door and they're always battling and I'm trying to keep the score. They're always petting and poking and jabbing and joking and cooing and cracking and wooing and whacking. They keep necking and knocking, singing and socking and squawking and squeezing and burning and freezing. Why, he holds her hands as long as he's able, but when he lets go, she bops him with a table. They start right in, patting and pinching and clouting and clenching. They're enjoying themselves, having a good time. one day on this nicely newlyweds across the way. But just as the pastor knocked on the door, a straight right connected mop, he hit the floor. They was petting and popping and banging and bopping, cooing and kissing and hitting and missing. They kept on grooving and grieving and loving and leaving, kicking and cackling and tickling and tackling. Now one night a neighbor tried some intervention, but one short jab knocked out his good intention. They started right in, stewing and stabbing and jiving and jabbing, having a good time. Once a lion escaped from a circus train, he strayed in Jack and Jill's domain. Just then they got in a tower and rage, lion took one look and jumped back in his cage. They started then swatting and swaying and plotting and playing and stomping and stabbing and grooving and grabbing. They kept dancing and ducking, tripping and trucking and plotting and pleading and banging and bleeding. My mother said, I'll go right in there and fetch her. But mom came out riding on a stretcher. They started right in, hitting and holding, fainting and folding. They was enjoying themselves, having a good time. Now 
once a reporter called on the wife just to gather some data on her hectic life. She told him she'd never find time for books. She's always busy ducking left hooks. They was always swatting and swaying and socking and singing and cutting and cuddling and messing and muddling. They kept on fondling and fussing and kissing and cussing and tapping and teasing, squatting and squeezing. Once a voice called out, stop, I'm the law. But all he stopped was a haymaker to the jaw. They started then jiving and jumping and throbbing and thumping. They was enjoying themselves. You see, they were in love. Ain't married life wonderful? Hey, will somebody call Dr. Kildare? Is Dr. Christian in the house? Huh? We're completing that set of music. We, we started out with uh, George Formby. And it's a grand and healthy life. Then, frantic Faye Thomas with I'm in Town. Hartman's Heartbreakers featuring Betty Lou. They did Grandma and Grandpa. And then Louis Jordan and his Timpany Five with Petting and Poking. Now, this is the old codger on WFMU. I now, sadly, offer an apology and a disclaimer for what I am about to play on the radio. As part of the settlement with Gus Bodenheim's attorney, Wolfie Cohn, I am obligated to, to play this commercial for which we are, we are not being paid. It's a free commercial for, for the Gus Bodenheim Literary Guild. I'm so sorry I have to air it, and I'm sorry that you have to hear it. You know, I, I read Gus's most recent novel. It's called A Fistful of Chuck. It was, it was what they call an illustrated novel. It was disgusting. Well, here's Gus trying to sell you more of the same rancid literary slop. Can you read? Do you feel primal urges and desires? If you said yes and oh yes, have I got just the thing for you. The Gus Bodenheim Literary Guild. I am Gus Bodenheim, and I'm proud to invite you to this exclusive subscription-only publishing venture from Del Barton Pulps. For a nominal fee, you will receive on the fifth of every month a handsome legacy edition of one of my acclaimed novels, such as Scuba Sadist, Suburban Swap Meet 2, Bargains Galore, Insolent Caddies, The Jackbait Memorandum, Diary of a Freakin' Whore, The Robot War Chaps, Vegan Meat, My Dog's Bigger Than Your Dog, Pen Pal Orgy, Wet Grab Bag, the Lavender Dicky, Oval Orifice, The Maltese Whitefish, The Concave Indentation, and so many more. That's right, every month we'll keep them coming discreetly to your mailbox. All you have to do is contact my editor, Rummy Del Barton, through this program, and we'll get you started. The Gus Bodenheim Literary Guild. We guarantee to get you your heart back. Egad. Uh, well, now we can get on with the program. And now, another soundtrack from a major motion picture starring Flip the Frog. This one is a classic. It's called Circus. It was made in 1932. Now, in 1989, it was nominated by an executive at the Library of Congress for inclusion in the United States National Film Registry. They were inducting films that are considered, as quote, culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant, end quote. However, when the members of the committee cast their ballots for which films were to be preserved in the, in the archive, inexplicably, Circus, starring Flip the Frog, got zero votes. That's right, no votes. This was an outrage. W which films were inducted over circus? Third-rate features that nobody cares about, like Casablanca, uh, the, the Maltese Falcon, Sunset Boulevard. Uh, compared to any Flip the Frog feature film, these are lightweight productions. Casablanca is so silly, it's practically a cartoon. Well, there were protests. Many residents of the uh, retired screen actors wing at the Van Halen nursing home went on a hunger strike. They refused to eat their jello and sponge cake, and they refused to take their Metamucil. It, it was kind of a modified hunger strike, but it was no use. 
the Library of Congress had failed them, and it failed. Flip the frog! But here, on the old kind of show, we recognize the brilliance of these motion pictures, and we're doing the best we can. It's, it's radio, you know, we can't show you the film. But we can broadcast the soundtrack and tell you who is in the film. So uh, making cameo appearances in this major motion picture are a lot of Hollywood legends. Many were very young at the time. They were, they were eager to accept any film role, no matter how minor. And, and of course, the chance to appear on screen, along with Flip the Frog, was a coveted opportunity. So, appearing in this film were uh, Count Sensenderfer, Peach Pie O'Connor, Kirby Higby, Diego uh, Fernandez, he's called Guacamole Fernandez, is his nickname, Chewing Gum O'Brien, that, that was his real name, actually, he was on his birth certificate, Chewing Gum O'Brien. He, he plays the role of Foxy Grandpa in this, uh, in this film. Then there was uh, Frosty Bill Dugglesby, and finally Mickey Rooney plays the part of a monkey on a chain.
Sitting on this bob For a nosy parker It's an interesting job Now it's a job that just suits me A window cleaner you would be If you can see what I can see When I'm cleaning windows Honeymooning couples too You should see them bill and coo You'd be surprised at things they do When I'm cleaning windows In my profession I'll work hard but I'll never stop I'll climb this blinking ladder Till I get right to the top The blushing bride She looks divine The bridegroom he is doing fine I'd rather have his job than mine When I'm cleaning windows The chambermaid, sweet names I call It's a wonder I don't fall My mind's not on my work at all When I'm cleaning windows I know a fella's such a swell He has a thirst that's plain to tell I've seen him drink his bath as well When I'm cleaning windows Oh, in my profession I'll work hard but I'll never stop I'll climb this blinking ladder Till I get right to the top Pajamas lying side by side Ladies' nighties I have spied I've often seen what goes inside When I'm cleaning windows Queen. She looks a flapper on the screen She's more like 80 than 18 When I'm cleaning windows She pulls her hair all down behind Then pulls down her never mind And after that pulls down the blind When I'm cleaning windows In my profession I'll work hard but I'll never stop I'll climb this blinking ladder Till I get right to the top An old maid walks around the floor She's so fed up one day I'm sure She'll drag me in and lock the door When I'm cleaning windows
Oz was all reached, but I think I'm going to cut on out of this town. Because it's really bringing me down. Everything is all reached here, but I don't know. I think I could have gone South Parkway and see what Rooty. I guess I better take the bus on downtown and grab the train and cut out since I have my ticket. Set recap on the old kinds of show. We opened up with uh, Flip the Frog and a soundtrack from his 1932 major motion picture, Circus. Then we heard George Formby and he sang When I'm Cleaning Windows, Frankie Trumbauer and his orchestra with Humpty Dumpty, and Slim Gaylord did the Traveling Blues. You know, that was a perfect set of music, if I may say so myself. Wait, wait. I just did say that, my, myself. You didn't say it, did you? You were probably thinking it. You were probably thinking, that old concert just played a perfect set of music. But you were afraid to say it out loud because you thought someone might hear you and they might disagree. Then you'd have an argument on your hands. So what? You'd be right, and the numbskull who disagreed would be wrong. The question of whether I played a perfect set of music isn't a question. It's a fact of life. But perhaps you're surrounded by contrarians. And whatever you believe, they oppose. As some people have called me a contrarian. Well, let me make one thing perfectly clear. I am not a contrarian. And, and while my music sets are perfect, I'm not a perfectionist uh, about my perfectionism. Just don't ever think for a second while listening to this program that surface noise is an imperfection. Surface noise makes the world go round. <laughs> yes, a new poll has confirmed what experts have said, based on a recent study, which was a part of a national survey by analysts. Uh, research indicates that we, we now know what specialists in the field have discovered. So, the science is settled. And now we begin another perfect set of music. If your name is Fabio, pay close attention. Here's a bit of news that's quite a shocker, proving Mother Nature still has charm. Quoting Mr. Charlie Knickerbocker, get in the swim and buy a farm. Acres of alfalfa, fields of clover, suddenly enchant our top who's who. So the moment all this row is over, 
What say if we go hasty to farming? That's the fashion, farming. That's the fashion of our great celebrities of today. Kit Cornell is shelling peas. Lady Mendel's climbing trees. Dear Mae West is at her best pitching hands. Stomping through the thickets, romping with the crickets makes them feel more glamorous and more gay. They tell me cows who are feeling milky all give cream when they're milked by Wilkie. Farming is so charming, they all say. Farming, that's the fashion. Farming, that's the passion of our great celebrities of today. Fanny Hurst is hauling logs. Fanny Bryce is calling hogs. Garbo Peep has led her sheep all astray. Singing while they're raking, bringing home the bacon makes them feel more glamorous and more gay. The natives think it's utterly utter when Margie Hot starts churning butter. Farming is so charming, they all say. Steinbeck's growing grapes of wrath. Guy Lombardo, rumor hath. Toots his horn, and all the corn starts to swell. Racing, like the dickens chasing. After chickens, makes them feel more glamorous and more gay. When Cliff Odette found a new tomato, he plowed under the group theater. Farming is so charming, they all say. Sun, with no work to be done 
That's going to close out the old Kaiser show for this week. In the final set, we heard Hildegard singing the Cole Porter tune, Farming. Then Leighton and Johnstone, as Turner Leighton and Clarence Johnstone, sang an Irving Berlin tune called Lazy. Ruth Edding, which smoke gets in your eyes, and we finished up with Hazel Scott, the Brown Bee Boogie. Well, we'll be back next week with more bells, whistles, and surface noise. This is uh, Joel Codger on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope in New York City and Rockland County at 91.9 FM and online at WFMU.org. The Old Codger Radio Network now leaves the air. This is the final program of the broadcast day. After we leave the airwaves, you will hear only static. We guarantee it will sound better than 98% of the music played on WFMU. In fact... If you listen closely, it will sound very much like the heavenly sound of relaxing 78 RPM surface noise. Or it will sound like the aftermath of an asteroid hitting the planet. Here now is the official Old Codger Radio Network sign-off with our announcer, Groucho Bodenheim. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we bring to a close broadcasting activities for today. We wish to acknowledge the courtesy of our advertisers who make possible the informative and entertaining programs presented throughout your radio day. And remind you that for the best in entertainment, the finest in educational and public service broadcasting, and the latest news developments around the world, we cordially invite you to join us again at 5.30 this morning when we will resume another day of broadcasting with relaxing music on the sunny side. Until then, wishing you and yours a very pleasant good night and good morning, and reminding you that wherever you go, there's radio. Ladies and gentlemen, the Lord's Prayer. some time together. Spend it like we're drunken billionaires. Together. Wandering. Flying. Soaring. Losing ourselves and finding each other. This is Butchie Spinoza maybe the most powerful individual in the world. But most would never recognize him or understand the source or scope of his power. He is a figure of the shadows. His world is one that hides just on the other side of your reality. His empire lies in the spaces between our universe. Ah, I'm drowning in my own snot. Good morning. Morning. The coffee smells different this morning. Ah, it tastes awful. I used the coffee grinder to grind cumin, and I might not have gotten it all out. Why didn't you use the spice grinder? Because I use that to grind coffee, and I can't get that smell out. Well, now you're grinding me down, so you're about to get my stink on you. Hey, look at this. The Three Stooges are now thought to have been part of a conspiracy based around the 18th century hoax document, The Treaties of the Three Impostors, which is itself based on a medieval rumor of the existence of such a document. So someone faked documentation, 
for a rumor and then used vaudeville to subtly promote that. Oh, uh, yeah, I did all that. What? I did that. What do you mean? I floated the rumor, I wrote the book, I started the act. You started the Three Stooges? Yep. As anti-religious propaganda? Oversimplification. Why? Why not? I call it Operation Mind Fun. When did you do all this? Oh, in about an hour. You haven't done it yet? No, but when you read that to me, it totally sounded like me. I am positive I did that. So now you're gonna go back in time and actually do it. I mean, I'll have to at some point. Why not now? I hate putting off the inevitable. Well, be careful about rumors. I hear Fleetwood Mac put a deceased human soul in every record. And then, when you start their hit record, you actually create a sort of quasi-living thing. An angel, a demon, a golem, a platonic ideal with agency. I did not know that. I'll have to mention that in my gossip chat room. Anyway, I gotta go into the den and do a video for my video thing that I do. Okay, good luck to you. I'm gonna go invent anti-propaganda. Welcome to my uninformed, misguided look at topics beyond my ken. If you dig that concept, like and subscribe. This is Lou Register. Today's question asks if I can analyze the personality of Butchie Spinoza. A reminder that Butchie Spinoza may or may not be a real person, therefore I am not making a diagnosis, just speculating and even sort of slandering him for entertainment purposes. I will analyze his personality using the six aspects which I remember with the acronym Wraith. Wackiness, roommate acceptability, admits he's wrong, in a good mood, tells the truth, has demons. So in wackiness, he scores pretty high. He's a true character, but parts of him are also not so wacky or even uptight. So in wackiness, he's about mid-level. Roommate acceptability. He's an okay roommate. He's not really hard to live with, but he isn't easy either. So... Uh, admits he's wrong, very low on this, almost never admits he's wrong, in a good mood. I honestly can't tell the difference between his moods. I think maybe he's happy when he's irritated. Tells the truth. Uh, yes, he does, as he sees it, and has demons. Oh, Lord, he has demons. It's like he has a roadside demon zoo called Demon King where he breeds demons and you can come pet the demons. So yes, high on that one. That said, it's weird that he's an agent of chaos across the ages, but that's good because it keeps other bad ideas from taking root. So here's my pitch, Ted Healy. You represent God, and those three idiots are the heads of the three major religions. Go on. Anyway... You help me, and I'll help you. So you'll be Ted Healy and his three impostors. I like the sound of that. Wait, no, not impostors, stooges. Stooges? That's a stupid name. I like impostors. No, no, it's not stupid. It's the name of a band from... Oh, man, I'm messing this up. Okay, call them Lou, Butchie, and Hardy. Oh, that I like. I guess if I mess up time, I might as well custom mess it up. Carve my initials in this time anomaly. Yeah, well, whatever. I got a show to do. Come on, you knuckleheads. Questions of Power Meanwhile, in a small shop in a mid-sized town in America, Hottie White was rewriting time over and over again. He was trying to introduce an element into all stories in the past, present, and future, an element that would prevent those stories from becoming fixed or finished. He would keep tales and other ways of making sense with language from ending, guaranteeing that those stories would never resolve or conclude or even follow a linear thread. What Hardy White had set out to do in the 20th and 21st centuries was to randomize meaning in our personal histories, in our collective identities. He aimed to keep reason on its heels. What, what are you listening to, Lou? None of that is true. Then why is it in a documentary? It says you're some kind of pop culture trickster figure. I have a radio show about being helpful and keeping people company. It's not complicated. Maybe Butchie made it complicated with his last time travel scheme. Butchie took the time machine. Yeah, 
I figured he would have asked. Oh, no, no, he didn't ask. Where was he going? He was going to complete this weird conspiracy involving a medieval rumor, an 18th century fake book, and the Three Stooges, who are now called the Three Imposters, because I don't know why, it just happened. My Three Stooges coffee table book now says the Three Imposters. And that's us on the cover. We're not the Stooges. But I guess we are the Imposters. Wow, news travels fast. Butchie, what have you done? I made a small mistake as I was creating both atheism and the Three Stooges. And you were doing both on a whim. A whim is a fine thing to do stuff on. A whim is like a party pontoon boat that you rent on the lake of spontaneity. Well put, Butch. No, no, it's not. Thank you. No, no, this is messed up. Now we're some famous vaudeville act. We're the wrong age and everything. I think once you mess something up in time, consistency or logic doesn't really matter. When I was a house, sometimes the people living in me would begin to discuss the shape and layout of my insides. They'd begin to speculate about taking down the wall between the living room and the kitchen, providing a large, more open space. They'd speculate about what parties might be like with the wall gone, creating stories about guests in the kitchen still able to see the slideshow of their Greek vacation showing in the living room. While I care deeply about the happiness of those inside me, I do not relish having a surgery to remove part of my skeleton. So I would do what I could to distract them, to interrupt their chain of destructive thought, to keep the story from reaching an ending, an ending that justified harming me. I learned to distract, 